Hello, everyone. Howdy. Welcome back. Episode 22. We're going strong. I felt really good about last episode, and I regret that I didn't say that. Like, last episode, I feel like, was one of our best. <laughs> Not to say that this one won't be good, but... <laughs> and it's all downhill from here. We're going to flatten the curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was. It got, like, 20 downloads the first day. I was very surprised. There you go. I was doing what what good. did we watch? We watched, oh, man. Honey Boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Honey Boy. One of the best episodes. I got no idea what, uh, what we and watched. I instantly erased it from my mind right after. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the Brother Sister Show. Welcome back. Um, if this is your first time, my name is Anthony. I'm Olivia. And we are siblings. We talk about movies. Um, that's pretty much all you got to know. Um, thank you guys. I just want to say before we get to our little catch up, we hit as as the time of recording, we're at five hundred and thirty seven downloads. Just overall, all of our episodes downloads, which is not bad. Um, and we have four hundred twenty five streams on Spotify, which is pretty cool. I I always say this to you, but I'm so surprised people listen on Spotify. What do you mean? I just, I, I use um, Apple Podcasts. I've never, I think I've used Spotify once, but I just don't really care for the interface. Oh, uh, I just like it because I, uh, it's just a smooth transition from my phone to my Oh, no, laptop. I get it. Yeah. But no, yeah, follow us on, on Spotify. Give us a rating on, on was it, Apple Podcasts? Can you, can you not rate on Spotify? I don't think so, um, but you can follow us for sure. I know that much. <laughs> so go ahead and do that. Can't rate on on Spotify, but yeah. you can on Apple Podcasts. You should guys. You, you can you should, test guys. it if you want. <laughs> you should you test- guys. <laughs> <laughs> guys, come on. Test it on yeah. our podcast. See if you can give a five star rating. See how many five star ratings you can give. <laughs> See how many people you can get to give five-star ratings. You can also write a little thing. Like You don't have to give just stars. You can write something, and you can put whatever you want. If you want to put something for us to read, I'll try to check it, but no promises. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us all the things Livia said that is wrong. Guaranteed there's a lot. Yeah. You can fact-check us. Ooh. That'd be Ooh. fun. <laughs> fact-check? Actually, Honey Boy didn't come out 2019. Something real oh dumb. God. There's probably like so many things we've said wrong, just like blatantly. <laughs> I hope the review says like, "Hey, this is like a good podcast," but I, I'm really worried about the girl. She can't really <laughs> say numbers. <laughs> if I give her a number above a thousand, guarantee she can't say it. <laughs> More than four digits, and she's fucked. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is us. Um. Oh my God, this is us. <laughs> oh, I miss it. Or one out. But yeah, so normally before we talk about the movie for this pod for this episode, which is Hereditary, um, we talk about our lives. So what's up? What's what's new since last week? Um, I explored a new area of my apartment <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I 
Um, I've been doing puzzles. I've been... What have I been doing? I've been writing, reading a book, um, trying not to go insane, talking to my yeah. cat a lot. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, we have really in-depth conversations. Today, I... <laughs> Today he was napping like on my lap and I wanted to pet him while I was working. And I guess I like I pet him or I think he was just like so deep in sleep that he like freaked out. He thought like somebody was attacking him or something because he like jumped up and he scratched the shit out of my shoulder. Oh, no. That's fun. I mean, it's fine. It was like one scratch, but it really hurts. <laughs> um, But yeah, we're having a great time. We're both very stressed. <laughs> yeah. You and Ari? Yeah, I think he's stressed. Really? He's been really weird. He's been like watching like the walls and stuff. Like last night, I, I, it was probably my fault because when we were watching Hereditary, um, I forgot how creepy the music was, mm. and oh my he gosh. just, yeah, he, I don't think he liked it. And every time the girl would do that little clicking sound, the, she, he like, would like run around because he was like really like he would like look around like I did it. And the news started around. But I think he's just on edge, just like everybody. He kind of he's he reads the room and he can feel that I'm stressed. But yeah. we're we're chugging along. We're fine. Just having Dang. a week. But yeah. Yeah. But it's been okay. I'm on an upswing. I feel like I said that last time. I'm like, I'm doing better. <laughs> I think that's exactly what you said. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, you gotta just keep saying it until it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Take it to your mate, um, yeah. But yeah, I have been watching a lot of good stuff, though. Some A lot of new stuff. Um, for one, I watched this one movie that is on demand now. I think you can get it on, like... I think I got it on Amazon? I'm, I'm sure it's available on demand wherever, but um, it's called Emma. And it's that new, like, period piece about, like... Uh, you know when they're they're in those like fancy dresses and stuff that kind of movie. Um, it's actually based on the book Emma by um, Jane Austen, and I love a good like British people period piece. Those are my those are like probably one of my comfort genres. I just love a good like posh accent and really mm. curly fake hair, a corset, you know, all that jazz. Um, but this one was really like. The, the writing was pretty modern. Like, it was still in the, like, dialect that they used, but um, it was really funny. And the way that they would, like, do certain scenes was, like, pretty modern. I really liked all the actors. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. It, it was just a, a cute movie. There's not... It wasn't, like, revolutionary or anything. It wasn't, like... Yeah. I don't know. It didn't do much, but... Um, uh, it was just, like, Emma well it's emma period that's like like it has a period in the title oh that's the thing yeah and like <laughs> i saw a tweet the other day that somebody or not the other day but when it was coming out that the press release that they sent out for the movie was like you have to when you review this movie um it has to have the period in it <laughs> <laughs> journalists were like okay like chill out a little bit um but yeah, and then I also watch, I watch a lot of stuff, but the one that I could remember was a movie on Netflix. It's like an older movie called Mystic River. And mm -hmm. it was super bleak. I don't know. I didn't really, it, 
It was like, <laughs> I didn't know how to feel about it. Like, I didn't really like the characters. The writing was kind of eh. And then at the very end, it said, directed by Clint Eastwood. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's really funny. But it had, like, Sean Penn and um, the mom was, oh, actually, Laura Linney was in it, which perfectly um, transitions to the thing I've been watching recently, which is Ozark. I have it paused right now on my TV. Um, and I'm finally on the third season. Ooh. I, have you finished? No, I'm still on like the third episode of the first season. Oh, well, okay. I won't say anything. The only thing I'll say, because I was going to text dad, but I was like, no, let me wait till I'm finished with it. But he'll listen to this. And the only thing I'll say is Marty's a bitch. That's all I'll say. I hate him. <laughs> That's Jason Bateman's character? Yeah. Mm. That doesn't spoil anything. Nah. I mean... He's pretty hateable. Yeah. From what I've seen, yeah. Um, But yeah, I am happy to report that everybody was right. Um, It does get better. The second season, I think Emily said the first and second season were boring. I agree the first one was pretty boring. The second one gets a lot better. And then this third one, I'm already, I'm on the third episode, but it's already getting like so much more intense. And uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been predominantly watching. I'm really looking forward to, I think I'll probably talk about it next episode, but I don't know if you saw the trailer for um, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for that. I think it comes out doing... Tuesday. Yeah, the 21st. Right. Yeah, I I'm so excited for that. We, me and my friends have been doing like Netflix parties, so we're gonna do that. I'm so that. And it's not even like just one though; it's three. Yeah, it's so exciting because I mean we saw them live. Yeah, around a year ago, right? Pretty much, or maybe two. Uh, a little over a year ago. Yeah, no, it was, it was around my birthday. No, it was in January. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Was it? I remember because I bought the tickets and I was like, I bought them before I got, before I moved to Austin. Mm. And then remember I moved and I was like, oh, I live in Austin now. So we can just stay the night or you can just stay the night. Yeah. It was right before I moved. Gotcha. Okay. I think maybe you're thinking of TMG because that was with like within the same year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we saw a lot of good, good shows. I know, and I was excited this year to see stuff, but whatever. <laughs> I did. See, I saw a lot of good like live shows my first year I was here. A lot, of, like I've seen already. You all saw of John Mulaney. Oh yeah, but that was a long time ago. That was a very long time ago. That was in San Antonio, I think. Yeah, I still lived in San Antonio too. But still, I was like the all those three are, are like in the same vein of memory for me. So it's like, it's a good time. True. All right, what have you been doing? Well, honestly, it's hard to keep track of what I've been watching because, man, I was working on this project and I was like, mom and dad, I got a new chair, by the way, (laughs) and it's fantastic. So I've been actually wanting to do work. Uh, (laughs) So I uh, 
working on this project and it was so lame how long it took me to do the the last part of it and i was like mom dad i'm gonna show you what i've been working on for the past eight hours and you're gonna say that is the lamest thing ever it was legit displaying on my screen the letters a t m and that took eight hours because i had to do it like (laughs) pixel by pixel it was like because we're yeah that's how i had to go or are you just like not good at your job no kidding my job oh wait your school (laughs) school is my job okay there you go no no in the in the the project like assignment he the my professor was like yeah you have to do this pixel by pixel because the program that we're using uh it just there's no way to draw other any other one any other way and i was just it it was really dumb but i had fun uh sitting on my chair doing it it's a beautiful chair. I love it. Mom and dad are going to come downstairs and you're like sleeping in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was joking with. Um, um, when you go to for like class, do you do like Zoom classes? Well, so some of my classes have done uh, asynchronous classes to where they just post videos and you just watch it wherever. Whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Only one of mine have been doing it synchronously where I have a Zoom meeting. It's just every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, which isn't bad. Has anything happened? No, nothing crazy. (laughs) Have you seen those videos of stuff like where I saw one? One that like I can't even watch anymore. It's like so cringy. I can I would rather watch like the ending of Hereditary like ten times in a row than I would watch that just one like minute video. Of that girl who goes to the restroom and they yeah. can see her. Oh my god. I... That and then, but there's like funnier ones where there's this one where the professor, um, she uses some filter that turns her into a potato and she can't take oh. it off. Yeah. She can't figure out how to undo it. <laughs> so now I've seen uh, another funny one is where one of the students is just like, Taking a fat hit from a bong, and then the professor's oh, like, "Oh no, don't! Oh no, don't do that!" Oh, and then I saw one too, <laughs> where um, this guy—I think he was joking, maybe—but he was like yelling at his mom. He was like, "Mom, I'm on a call." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shut I, up. I think it's a, it was a prank because then the professor was like laughing, like she didn't want to say anything. <laughs> uh, that's funny. No, nothing like that. Nothing crazy. Just mostly like kind of boring. It's hard to pay attention to when you have Animal Crossing in front of my face. Oh, fuck off. I'm so upset that I can't have one. Uh, it's supposed well, to restart. Kind of nice... Oh, really? What? Yes. I don't know. Sebastian's my, uh, he's my plug. How? I don't know. He's just he's he knows more about them, and he was like, he, when I talked to him the other day, he was like, uh, "So I think GameStop is gonna restock them." <laughs> <laughs> you all whispering. <laughs> he's like looking back and forth. Um, so I heard. <laughs> um, the only thing I I really remember watching is Dave, Little Dickies, Little Dickies, uh. Sh- show on hulu it's only like seven or eight episodes and i was watching it while i was playing animal crossing 
Anyway, it's honestly, it's kind of funny. That's what I've heard from several people, and I'm very surprised. I did not think it would be. Me too. But I I was just like, uh, I don't know, kind of interested. I'm also not going to pay 100% of my attention. It was a really good show to just put on while doing something, honestly. Mm-hmm. Some parts, though, I had to pay attention because I, like, I wanted to. You know, it wasn't just, I don't know. Pretty good. Pretty good show. But when it ended, I was very confused because it didn't feel like a season finale at all. I mean, there's that. Uh, man, I don't think I did. I watched anything. It's been a. Oh, no. I watched The Social Network. Watch The Social Network um, uh, again because it's on Netflix. And that. That movie, I appreciate Perfect. so much more. Yeah, it's really good. I, I have seen that movie more. so many times. <laughs> I see it so many times that now when I watch it, I'll like quote it. Like I'll, I'll like say the lines to myself. Yeah. But I haven't done it in a while. Like the one, the one that sticks to me is when he says, um, oh, "God damn, I already forgot." When he says something about like, it's not like you, or it wouldn't be like you were, you didn't invent facebook or oh, fuck i'm already messing it up never mind if you could have invented facebook then you know you would have invented Facebook. it was after they got rid of eduardo and he was like my name's not gonna be on the mass head it'll be like i'm not a part of facebook and he said it won't be like you're not part of facebook you're not a part of facebook or something oh yeah uh <laughs> sean parker's character says or justin timberlake says that yeah man i he needs to stop acting <laughs> In no, that he was such no, a kidding. he was he was a good character in that one. But he was good out. in that. But maybe I need to like look up his filmography because I don't. Other than like SNL, I don't remember anything else that he's done that is that good. And part of me is like wondering if he was so good in that movie because he actually is an asshole, you know. Mm-hmm. Part of me, I mean, this is conspiracy corner, but part of me thinks he actually is like really mean but who knows he's got us all fooled i don't know know. what they do those white men that can dance they're dangerous (laughs) (laughs) Uh, gonna move past that what are we talking about (laughs) i don't know i was just trying to say how i understand social network a little bit more because i'm like getting into my higher levels computer science classes the only part i didn't understand (laughs) <laughs> you understand the like oh okay i thought the, you meant the movie that too because i i saw it when i was younger so i didn't really understand what was happening but the only thing i didn't understand was when he was in his os class and then he like leaves because someone that was a dumb part in that movie when that lady passes this is right after he creates face mash um his first website yeah. or his one of his websites and then he, a lady passed back a note to him, and it says "you dick" on it. And then he leaves class because of it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not really consistent with his character because he's always, or maybe that's the thing is that he acts like he's, you know, he doesn't care. He'll do whatever. He'll like, he do whatever he has to do. But at the end of the day, like he was hurt so much by one person passing him a note and calling him a dick. Yeah, and like. He only created Facebook 
to like spite that girl. You know, like he he does a lot of things not because like it's really analytical, like people try to make engineers seem and he did it really in a really emotional yeah. way. I guess. But yeah, that but scene thought... is kind of weird. Jesse Eisenberg though, I fucking love him. Yeah. Very good. In in social network. As Lex Luthor, not so much. Not so much. I mean, he tried. I I think it's one of those cases where he had an idea of the character and the director had a different one, but they didn't, like, say it to each other. Yeah. It just felt really disconnected. I didn't hate what he did. I hated that movie. And I feel like a guy like him that's really good at playing assholes, like, I don't think, as a cinematic villain like that, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think he was bad in it. I think he just made bad choices. In regards to the whole. But I mean, once you see that movie, it's kind of hard to blame him. Because once you see that movie and the story they chose to tell, it is really confusing. That's true. So like, how are you going to build a really solid character off of something that's confusing? And he's a writer. So like he now I've listened to a lot of interviews of him recently. And he now only he only really writes and directs and like produces stuff. He's like mainly a writer um, for plays, which makes a lot of sense when you look at that performance because it is a very like, um, it's like a really dramatic as in like a play kind of role. And as yeah. a writer, if you can't make sense of the material you're given, then it's kind of hard. For one, it's kind of hard to say no to a superhero movie or especially a Superman movie, and to play Luke's Luke's. Lex Luthor, it's hard to say no to that. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's the hand he was dealt was really hard to play with. If that makes sense. I guess. I don't know. I will defend him until I die. (laughs) I kind of want to mention this, but this will go down another rabbit hole. Remember, have you seen that interview of him where he's, it was for Now You See Me, and he's, like, almost... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where he's like yeah. almost berating the lady. Yeah. Because she, she's like, can you say my name? And he's like, why Why would I say your name? Or something like that. Something real she was, weird. But she also was really weird in it. Yeah, it I was. I think she was so trying to go scary. for. I think she was trying to match his energy of being sarcastic. And like, because if you listen to interviews with him, he's very sarcastic and he's very dry. And she was trying to do that. But like, not to blame her, but I feel like. It was her fault. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not trying to play <laughs> her, but like I think she was trying to match that energy, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Or it did, and he, to him it was fine. But it's hard to do that when the person is not in on it, and when you're recording it, it's like hard for that to come across in a video. But it, it is really awkward to watch. I think it, it was just like very yeah. weird. But uh, um, back on topic, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna, I think I'm on a tangent kind of day. That's just one of those days. I think that's it. I can't really think of anything. Well, I, you don't have to because we have an interview to throw to. Yes, I forgot about that. Here we have, for this special episode, we have Joe Palias. He's a good friend of me and Kayla. He went to Kayla's high school. Um, he's a He's a listener. He listens to our podcast. Why not have a listener? Here's an interview with him. I'll throw it to that now. 
All right, here we are. We're with Joe. Welcome. Hello, hello. <laughs> number three, third guest. Good to be That's number good. three then. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, so we're going to just start by asking, how are you doing, just overall? Good. I mean, this social distancing thing, I mean, it's, I feel like it's not very new for me. I feel like I was always in my in my room playing video games all day long before that, and the only time I ever left my house was to go to work or if someone was like, hey, you want to come over? And I'd be like, yeah, sure, but, you know, <laughs> now it's just work and video games. And now you're being congratulated for it. Yes. Which is nice, I guess. Um, I so. Well, I guess you kind of already talked about this, but what do you miss that is not, like, isolation-related? What do you miss about your life pre-isolation? Um, pre-isolation. I'd probably say going, probably going to the movies or going out to eat. I guess being having the ability to go to a restaurant. I know, it seems like such a luxury now. Yeah, like I just want to go drive by one. <laughs> <laughs> There's that uh, that meme, where, like looking at like through the window, through the cage, like... <laughs> or that one um, from the office where Jim's like looking through the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, what I would give to just be in a theater with people behind me just talking so obnox- obnoxiously. I would st- I would be like totally fine with it. <laughs> I would join in on the conversation. I, like I, I miss that. Lucky, lucky, uh, not getting talkative people in theaters. Same. I usually go. I usually would go during the day though, like around noonish on a Sunday. That's like the perfect time to go. Yeah. Honestly, um, it depends on the movie though. Yeah, that's true. I normally yeah. went to midnight releases too. Oh God, I can't remember the last time I did one of those. Maybe Batman. Wow. So <laughs> like, I, um, the la- No, yeah, the last one. The Dark Knight Rises, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the- I went to that one too. Yeah, a lot of people did. I mean, I feel like the only ones that you actually do that for and with a huge group is like superhero ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could say that for like when Endgame came out because like the whole month before me and my friends started from uh, the very first one and all the way up to that, the Infinity War. And then I had watched, like, was, we finished Infinity War, like, Wednesday night. And then I watched Endgame Thursday night. Mm. Did you do in order of release or in order of the storyline? Um, I don't remember. I think it might have been in chronological order. So starting with uh, the first Captain America. I think that's the first one that it starts with. Oh, uh... Because I know there's a, there's lists out there, right, that tell you which ones, like, that you can tell the whole story through. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe I could do that now, but I'm just really not that interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of theaters, do you remember the last movie that you saw in theaters? Oh, I'm... Oh. Please don't say 1970. I was going to say, there's going to be... <laughs> there's a theme. Let me check my, my Apple wallet, because it... Does nobody go to the movies? I mean, I know that like January is really slow, but there was some. It was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Ah, oh. the Mister Rogers movie. I think that was the last movie I saw in theaters. What'd you think? It was good. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I mean, there. I feel. I felt like there were some times where 
started to tear up, but I didn't know Mr. Rogers like that. But it was, you know, a sad movie, good movie. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it. Is it worth it if I don't really know him? I I didn't really know him. I thought it was still good to see it. I mean, I like Tom Hanks, so. Mm, that's true. Well, the next one. Well, I guess mm, let me skip around a little bit. So, what have you? I'm assuming after that you've seen other stuff. So, what have you been watching? Um, like movie wise. Anything, yeah. Um, I guess I try and pick apart movies every once in a while. I mean, um, I did watch uh. Parasite and uh, Uncut Gems with Jewel. Um, I, I I had not seen them in theater. I I don't know why I didn't go and see them in theater because I I did like both movies. I mean I really liked Parasite and then both of us were kind of mixed on Uncut Gems. But yeah, those were the two biggest movies I think I watched. Um, Onward was just on uh, Disney Plus and I liked that one. And yeah. What was your hesitation good. about Uncut Gems? At the end of it, I, I swear to you, both me and Jewel just like looked at each other and we were just like, it was it was okay. I, I just like after after all of it, I was just like, wow, that that movie just had a lot of yelling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just never heard of somebody that went to go see it and didn't and had a lukewarm reaction to it. So that's why I'm surprised. It's always like that was like even if they didn't say if it was good, they were like that was a fucking movie. That was something. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, predictable or anything like that, but I feel like it might have been overhyped because, uh, I mean, like I liked, uh, I like Adam Sandler, um, yeah. and my friend Enrique absolutely loves him, loves every single movie, and just would not stop talking about Uncut Gems and how revolutionary it was. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. I mean, <laughs> very different from his other stuff too. So, for sure, yeah. That's true, but I think I think the thing that people really love about it is because it's like when you have a lovable and I think Adam Sandler's really lovable in general, like when you have a lovable a lovable character or like um actor like that and you get another chance to like see him in a different light and he's still that good. And he hasn't done something like this since since um Punch Drunk Love and so I feel like him doing this was a really big risk and it paid off really well. So I see what you mean, but um, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I guess people, a lot of people like they root for him, like a, a cash grab. Well, I mean like uh, in all his movies, like they think a lot of his movies are like cash grab movies, but I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I like most of his movies. I mean, of course, I mean like there's like Jack and Jill, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean take. I, I like, <laughs> I like Billy Madison. I mean, all his classic stuff, really. Yeah, it is interesting, though, that, like, the his career is very interesting to me because he... I, I don't understand his choices because I actually just saw one of his movies that's on Netflix called... Um, I think it's called The Week Of. It's, like, about him. His daughter is getting married to Chris Rock's son. Yeah. yeah. And it was, like, when I was watching that movie, I just... I could see... There's some movies where you watch them and you're like, I see how they thought this was a good idea or they thought it could be funny, but I just feel like maybe his his sense of humor and his sense of what people like now is still really dated. Like, I think he's still thinking of, like, the early 2000s and the reason that 
people loved rooting for him so much in Uncut Gems is because he's finally doing something good. And but that something good was something that he didn't make. So I feel like he should just be doing stuff that he's not like making. I don't know. He he's a very interesting person to me. I mean, I, I really like him because I mean he just makes movies. I mean, I <laughs> he's had a movie come out like every year for so long. You know, whether it's bad or good. I mean, the guy just loves doing that, and you know, and he loves bringing his friends on and and all those uh, people, yeah. those recurring actors. But I think that's a good like case study. Is if is that is the fact that he keeps making movies with his friends is that what what's like hindering him but i don't know um so moving on from something that's not uncut gems which is really stressful um the last question that we have is what your comfort movie is or movies or tv shows or whatever brings you comfort during this time because i feel like a lot of people want um really like warm fuzzy comforting things to watch right now um I guess my, I mean, I'll just go, my favorite movie is uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. And so that, that just got added onto Netflix. So I feel like if you've never seen that movie or if you've never read the book, then, you know, this is the time to sit down and watch it. Yeah. And uh, TV show, I mean, I guess the TV show I'm rewatching right now is uh, Bob's Burgers. I started that from season one and about halfway done with it. So, I mean, it's, it gets rough and then it gets good again, but, you know. I don't think I've ever seen it. Comfort things. It's a good show. I recommend it. I haven't. How many seasons are are on that show? Um, eight, I think. Yeah, I. I have. I only remember watching at least three or four. And yeah, then I just before I saw it. Oh, there are actually ten seasons. Never mind. Oh wow! <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I had no idea are they still making them like or do they have like new seasons um it might be it started in 2011 so i guess about a season a year so yeah i assume it's still going on they're on season well that's all i have anthony do you have anything well this is kind of like back to the beginning of our conversation but because you work at H-E-B, right? Right, yeah, Joe? I do. So how is that going? Um, I, I really don't see a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, I hear a lot of crazy stuff, but because I don't really, uh, like I'm not a cashier or a bagger or a stalker. I'm not really out on the floor. Uh, I, work on, I work in the deli. Um, so most of the time, if I'm at the deli, you know, because there's where you slice the meat and cheeses, but we also do the rotisserie chickens. So that's normally where I'm at. I'm in the kitchen where the restaurant is. And I cook uh, all the rotisserie chickens, popcorn chicken, um, chicken legs and everything like that. And it's really funny because uh, there's a giant cooler where you, uh, where all the raw chickens go and you're supposed to put on the skewers. And so I'm in, my room, I'm in that little cooler for about like an hour and a half, like doing like these huge racks and putting like all these uh, skewered chickens. But that's when I, I try and listen to this podcast. Because I'm probably <laughs> so, it's really it's like me, Mark and Olivia, like right there, <laughs> right by the chickens. Yeah. That's really funny. Right where we want to be. So you, so you do like the the flaming birds stuff? 
No, so I work because um, <laughs> our family loves those. I don't know, understand why great. they like them. I work at the HEB on three double nine, so right off thirty five, and so that one has a restaurant, but is but it is the three double nine restaurant. There's no flaming birds or anything like that. Kitty Hawk one has the flaming birds one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we absolutely love it. We get it too much. <laughs> Way too much, all the but time. It's, so it's not super stressful. That's good. Yeah, I mean. Well, what is um? Because most of our listeners, I think, are in Texas. So, what is something? Even though you're not, you know, like you said, you're not in the roles that are people that are more uh, people facing. What is something that you hear when you are around people that work there that you want to like tell people to stop doing or kind of like, you know, like like I guess a piece of advice on when to go or what they should be doing or what they should not be doing. Like, what's one thing you would say? Uh, I'd say two big things. I'd say don't wear gloves. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, I see people walking in with gloves and masks. You know, I find, I think masks are fine. Um, but gloves, I mean, they don't realize how much they're touching. And then also I've been seeing videos of where they leave just latex gloves in the parking lots and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. they're properly disposing of them. And then, yeah. you know, if you don't need to go to H-E-B, don't go, you know, yeah. there are people, you know, the people that are working there, you are putting them at risk if you're going just to look around or something like that. And if you're going in a big group of people, you know, you, I think uh, the president of H-E-B uh, said like, you know, if you're going to go, please only send one member of your family, you know, to lessen the exposure of what could be happening or could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I guess just be like aware that, H-E-B has people there too and they have to be there and they have to be there for us. So be conscious of that. Well, I think that's all we have for the beginning. Um, thank you. Thank you for your insight. I didn't know you worked at H-E-B. Um, thank you for continuing to provide us the chickens. We need them. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right. I guess we'll just throw it back to um, me and Anthony catching up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. And that was Joe. We'll get back to him after we talk about hereditary and see what he has to say about it so i'm very excited okay (laughs) so hereditary came out in 2018 it's written and directed by ari aster um principal cast is tony collette millie shapiro and gabriel byrne um it's about a grieving family that is haunted by a tragic and disturbing occurrences (laughs) do you like the way i formatted the numbers (laughs) yeah i was was just about to say they only have (laughs) Two to three digits. Interesting. Yep. Um, and <laughs> the, the budget was estimated at $10 million. Um, opening weekend, it made about $13.5 million. Um, in the U.S., it grossed about $44 million, And worldwide, it grossed about $80 million. Wow. Um, and for reception, it got a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 87% on Metacritic, which is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. Okay. So my notes, I went in a different direction for this. I kind of just did... I liked what I did the first time with uh, with our um, critically acclaimed uh, episode of Honey Boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just did, like, more overall notes especially because i could have just done this episode without notes so i just wanted to give like yeah ideas and stuff and there's a lot of 
And from what I'm assuming, like, I, I don't know if people have seen this before, but I'm assuming if you're going to watch this and you're going to listen, you're probably confused as to what happened. So I would like to give a little bit of context and kind of not explain the ending, but give more of like what you might have missed and also what some stuff means. Um, what kind of notes did you take? Mine were pretty much notes that I normally take like as the movie's coming or going. I I took notes. I mean, we go, I could, I don't have that many. I have three, six, I have nine notes exactly. So I can go through mine real fast, pump them out if you want. We can. Mine is still um, in order, but not really. Well, yeah. Okay, you can go. And I'll just so, talk as you go. This is one of my favorite openings of all time. The whole... Oh, the obituary? Uh, no, the... The... I love to read. <laughs> <laughs> that, and then when it pans to the model home, the miniature oh, home. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then it goes in, and then it's the actual house. I don't know that. That to me, when I saw it, I was like, like that was that was from the get go. I was like, this is really cool. Like I really like this movie. I I don't know how they did it. I really tried to watch it. I don't know how they did it. How they managed to go from the miniature house to his actual room without with it was very seamless. Yeah, I, I'm I assuming. Really for, I'm assuming. That they had a green screen on that part of the miniature, and the whole time the the image that we're watching is the actual room. Uh, that's what I would. That's my safe guess. <sighs> um, but it was amazing. I really was. Yeah. One of my favorite openings of all time. But I'd love to have. Um, whenever they go to the the funeral, I'd love to have the same picture as the grandma. But oh, for my sitting. funeral, the same pose, yeah. Hands on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> All creepy. It's very creepy. See, okay, and that's like one of the funny parts of this movie is at least for me, like maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but I feel like that is one of the things where he's like, where I would like to think he, that the director has the sense of humor to be like okay i want her to sit like this you know what i mean yeah because it's really funny to him maybe not but i feel like if i was to make a movie there's no way i can be completely serious through it because that's just how i am like it's hard for me to be really serious so i'd be like so the people that are that are in the cult they're just going to be standing naked you know like he could have just had them standing (laughs) but he's like no let them be naked yeah yeah um after that, we go back to the house, and I just the house is so beautiful. I really love the house, and I'd live oh there God, even would... if everything happened as it did, even the if same. the body was up there, even if the burned dad's there, I'd I'd still live there. Everybody, like, you want me to clean um, it up? Yeah. <laughs> um, Knock off ten, and I'll I'll do it. I also like how um, they. Sh- Ari Aster really shows different like how people react to tragic things in their life because she's uh, oh yeah because Annie's like should I should I be sad like I, I like she she wasn't sad because I mean she wasn't that close to her mom towards the end I mean she said that but I don't know I really like that um just the whole commentary I guess 
Um, and, and then a little side note. A lot too. Yeah, exactly. Um, which has made it striking is that I believe the Charlie, she's an e girl now. I saw that. And <laughs> I, hey, you do what you got to do. It's okay, just if you just next to each other, hereditary, and then her, her now is just very, very, uh, I don't know. It's weird. But not because it's just the juxtaposition yeah, of yeah. The, their their two personalities is different. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and then uh, whenever uh, Annie goes and tries to comfort Charlie and she has asking, like, how do you feel about Grandma being dead, pretty much? <laughs> she's like, who will take care of me now? And she's like, Well, I'm here, me. bitch. <laughs> Yeah, but what about when you die? Yeah, and then she said that, and then she was like, well, your dad or Peter will. And I was like, Peter will not take care of you. (laughs) Will not. Peter was doomed the soon he came out of your (laughs) womb, lady. Yeah. Um, And then the music, just music throughout the movie, so perfect in in the way it creates that unsettling feeling where it's just that... uh, Con- it's it's just a constant presence, um, almost as if Payman is there with you, you know, as he was well, with he was present throughout the movie. I read that the direction that um, Ari gave him was that he wanted it to feel evil. It, it was it very much was like that the the low almost guttural constant like staccato. Yeah, you know, was perfect. Um, and it it created that sense of uneasy, um, that sense of evilness, even when just normal things were happening, even when uh, Peter was in school, you know? Yeah, it was, that it's it always fantastic. there. Yeah. Uh, the composer, by the way, is named Colin Stenson. Stetson. What else has he worked on? Do you know? Do you have oh, it up? No, I can look it up real quick. And then I'll just talk about... Uh, Whenever Peter is smoking in his room, and you can hear someone breathing outside. Oh my god! That's such a scary. It's like I don't even know. It's it's very unsettling. And then my final note, uh, kind of all over the place, but I don't remember that lady's name. Oh, Joni, when she talks about her fake her fake ass grandson. Uh, <laughs> Louie, like Lucifer. I didn't even yep. think about it. The devil himself. Um, so it looks like this is the only movie he's done. Oh, I know. That's wow. Oh, there's a few ones, but I think the one that stands out is um Hereditary. He did work. The second thing on his list is Red Dead. Red Dead Redemption 2. He was in the music oh. department. So. Alright. I've never played the game, but I've heard nothing but good things. I think he's mostly like a musician that, and he toured with people. Yeah, he's best known as a regular collaborator of indie rock acts, Arcade, Fire, Bon Iver, um, and other people. <laughs> bon Iver? Isn't it Bon Iver? I have no idea. Who knows? 
All right. So that was your last note? Yeah, that was my last note. Okay. So I'm about to take us down a rabbit hole. I, I knew you had a lot. So I... <laughs> and some of the stuff that you talked about was in kind of in my notes, but a little bit more expanded on. So um, the first thing that I do want to talk about is what you talked about is the camera and how this movie has a huge theme of telling you exactly what it's going to do. Like, you know, and he, and if you've watched Midsummer, that this is a thing that he does constantly. In the first frame of Midsummer, it's uh, like, I think it's the first frame. It's an entire drawing of basically what's going to happen in the movie. If you like pause it and look at everything, it shows you every single plot point that happens as soon as they get to that village. And so he's very big into like showing, yeah, he like, he shows you that and so that's what i'm by saying all that what i mean is that the camera how it's acting within the first few minutes it's showing you exactly what is going to happen in the future so the fact that it pans over like you said and this shows that it's going into the miniature and that you know the miniatures usually have like um there's usually a wall taken out so you can see inside the entire thing the camera panning in and showing you that you're not just looking at the dollhouse, you're looking at them. It's telling you that people are watching them. So like entities, people, whatever you want to call it, there's always something watching them. And we're the ones that are viewing them too, in a way, because like you said, you alluded to um, somebody being outside, you could see their breath and they're watching. And there's a frame too at the very end where all the cult naked people, they're all outside the house, uh, like looking at it, they're all facing. Yeah. It. So every there's always somebody watching them and making sure that they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Which, um, that's one thing too. Well, I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, so back to the camera. If you look at a movie like the latest movie we watched was Honey Boy, it's more fluid and it kind of follows the characters. Like it, it usually will have a focal point of. Um, Otis or something but this one it the way that it frames the family and the scenes that we watch it is like a dollhouse Mm -hmm. and it's showing the entire thing rather than just following one person Um, and so that's a very interesting uh, tidbit but yeah um, and not just so the whole miniature theme, like the fact that the mom makes miniatures, that's not just a quirky little detail that's really <laughs> um, meticulously like crafted within her character. And I just like if you look at their house as a dollhouse, one of the things that's kind of I have a little list of little hints. Um, one of the little hints is within um, one of the scenes in uh, Peter's classroom. There's a lot of it's so like hard to talk about this movie because like I have to talk about like so many different things but um just like there's different hidden stuff like visually in the movie there's a lot of hidden dialogue like the first Mm -hmm. classroom scene we're focused on um Peter and how he's like not paying attention and how he's looking at that girl but there's a lot of dialogue in the background telling you exactly what's happening and what's going to go on yeah and one quote that I said that I put on here is pawns in this hopeless horrible machine and that's basically this family exactly like you take that miniature um metaphor they live in a dollhouse and they're the dolls they're like 
they're not really people. They're like vessels, like how a dollhouse, you play with those like little um, miniatures and you're moving them around and you're staging them and you're putting them in like positions. You're the person that's controlling that. That's basically what the cult is doing with the family. They're, they're the, the, pawn the grandma and the, and the demon. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the king and the queen. So they're basically well, <gasps> king and queen in the ponds. Oh my God. This is all <laughs> going together. But yeah. It's so on the chessboard. Right. Um, and we'll get back to that a little bit later because, like I said, I have so many notes and they all connect to each other. Um, so yeah. So just thinking about the dollhouse as like a metaphor for them being in a dollhouse. And that is like an interesting fact that I don't think I wrote down. Um, <clears throat> but the way that he wanted to make this film, it was kind of impossible to have them film in a house because of all the scenes that he had he wanted to be able to like take out a wall or move a certain room and so that it could be like staged a certain way so they basically had to build that entire house on a like sound stage so the house that we see is not really a real house that's very cool (laughs) um okay and so back to the funeral so that's like one of the little hints that i put because if you watch that entire funeral scene, you never see the people's face. The people that are there, you never see their faces. They don't focus on them. They only focus on the family. And because we know now that that's the cult, or maybe you know that, I don't know. But the people that are in the funeral are, are the cult. And you never focus on them. Yeah, the the one guy who's standing there when Peter is like smiling. That's the he's, guy. He's naked. He's the guy in the funeral that's like staring at Charlie when she's looking at her grandma. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, Another thing too is whenever the mom is comforting um, Charlie and she's like in her bed not really looking at her. um, One thing that she says and it kind of sounds like a throwaway line but she says she wanted me to be a boy. Mm -hmm. And so that goes back. (laughs) There's so many threads. Um, And I'll talk about this a little bit later but that kind of goes back into what charlie's role peter's role everybody's role was in this game this horrible game that they're pawns in they all play very specific roles and that kind of gives you an example or a hint as to what her role is um and another thing too when you go back to what i said about the dialogue um now i think i'm at the scene where um annie which is the mom she's at that like group therapy thing and she's basically just giving like a whole rundown of her fucked up family and that her dad starved to death and that her brother um hanged himself in his mom's room because he said that she was trying to put people in him and at first glance when you don't know the whole picture that sounds just like somebody that's schizophrenic and she does say and when she talks about her dad and she talks about her brother, you kind of have this idea of like, oh, she's probably and she probably has a family that has like mental illness and you know, it, it, it is hereditary. Yeah. So that kind of just gives you an example of like what she's dealing with. But now that you know the whole picture and you see the movie, you know that what has happening to Peter right now was already trying like what was already happening to the brother and that the mom was trying to give Paymon a vessel that he wanted, which is a male vessel, and it didn't work out the first time. 
Um, and that kind of also plays into why Annie had that sleepwalking dream where she wanted to burn them because she subconsciously was trying to save them. And she also was trying to have a miscarriage, but she it's not because she didn't want him. It's because she didn't want what in the back of her mind she knew what was going to happen happen if that makes her, sense her grandma or her mom was gonna take control exactly and that also goes back to her not wanting like she said i didn't want him to be around peter so she i gave her my daughter basically yeah and that's why she got close with her and then you know all the shit that happens and that was another hint that i put was um annie sleepwalking so she kind of is the sleepwalking bit to me is showing that she's she knows exactly what's happening in the back of her mind she's always known something's wrong and she kind of just ignores it and it all comes out whenever she's sleeping um because if yeah. you think about it all the epiphanies that she has is when she's sleeping all of mm-hmm. them it's usually like some fucked up sh- except for the dad the poor dad and one thing that i learned about the dad that doing while I was doing my research and I didn't know before was that he is a therapist. Yeah, he's trying Explains to so talk much. to his He's trying to talk to his coworker whenever he's like sending an email saying, "Hey, yeah. I think uh I think my wife's losing it. I don't know what to do." And I don't know why I didn't connect this before, but yeah, like he because I always, my biggest thing about him was I don't, I don't understand how understanding he is. Like, he's so nice and he's so, he was so kind to her the entire time and he felt, it felt like he was just so understanding for, like, no reason. But now it makes sense. And also I read that um, they had a storyline where it was known that she met him because she was his patient. Oh. But they didn't include that in the movie. Which makes so like it all makes so much sense. That's yeah. I like that. I know I wish they would have kept it, but I guess see why they did it. Um. Okay. And so the next thing that I want to talk about is playing with the background. So there's a lot of parts in this movie where the director uses our minds to kind of unsettle us rather than doing a lot of jump scares because in a lot of interviews that you see with him, he doesn't like to, he says that he doesn't really like the whole jump scare stuff. And he wants to like, a lot of his references are about like Rosemary's baby or um, what was another one? Like the exorcist. Like, I don't think he, that one specifically, but the one that he would reference a lot was Rosemary's baby. And so obviously a lot of his references are not modern. And I think, I think Joe said this, but it is, it does feel like a very, older like a much older horror film and i think he did that um he obviously did it on purpose but one of the things that i really love about this movie was that he took a lot of new concepts and he married it with that old stuff because i've never seen a movie that plays with darkness the way that he did so specifically what i mean is that like you know when you're laying in bed and it's dark in your room and you're about to go to sleep, but you start to look around and you see like something hanging from your door and it looks like somebody's standing there and you like freak out because you're like, what the fuck? And you turn on the light and it was just like a towel hanging a certain way. That, had, um, that happened to me last night because I watched <laughs> this movie. I was laying in my bed and I can like the way I lay it is like directly in front of my closet. And I was like, there's yeah. someone standing there right now. I guarantee see? it. 
And exactly. one of the one of the goals that he had with this movie was that he wanted to like fuck people up in their mind. I think I saw an interview where Alex Wolf said as like a joke, but I think he meant it where he said that one time Ari told him like I have so much darkness inside of me that I want to give it to other people <laughs> through this movie. And like he did that. Yeah. <laughs> because that is like one of the things I love about scary movies is when it introduces you to an idea that you would have never thought about to just mm. a new idea to scare you, basically. Because like we always we all do that. We all search in like dark places and our minds fill them up with whatever the fuck yeah. is whatever is the scariest thing we can think of. But he actually did that. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of examples. So like the first time is when she is when Annie's in her workshop and she turns off the light. And she sees her mom, but yeah. then she turns it on and she's fine. And she goes to her husband and she said, I just, whoa. <laughs> she says, I just scared myself in the workshop. Um, That is basically what he's doing with us. <laughs> he's just making us scare ourselves. Because I think my favorite moment watching a movie was whenever, well, there, this movie gives me a lot of favorite moments in theaters, but one of them was that scene when peter wakes up and his mom is like on the in the corner of his room oh yeah it was such a delayed reaction like people Mm -hmm. didn't realize we were like looking at him and then people started to gasp or be like oh my god and you could see like everybody's eyes were like starting to move around the frame and it's such a fucking genius way to scare people and he does it so many times like especially um, like the guy that we're talking about, the one that he's smiling at. Yeah, he, like, he's in the very corner. Yeah, doorway. And he's not well lit at all. Like you would think, <laughs> like if another director was making this movie, they would have lit him a little bit. But he's like not. There's no lights on him <laughs> the at only, all. The only thing is, you can see his creepy, creepy smile. smile. That's yeah. exactly, and it's so fucking perfect. Can you imagine walking through your home and seeing a naked man smiling at you? Yeah. How fucking scary is that? And then when she's in the corner or the ceiling, that, and then, and oh, and then he looks up and she's gone, but then she's in, she's in a different corner that time. And she runs at him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just the way he uses space and like the then also too, it's not just that he it's like how do I can't even explain it. So like he he sets up this whole like dollhouse framing and you couldn't do that with any other framing. It would be too obvious. You couldn't make those like her being in the corner of the room. You couldn't do that naturally with any other kind of like shot. Yeah. So it's that's why it's so hard to talk about this movie in a linear like way because it just like ties everything ties together so perfectly. Yeah, you bring up um, one example. There's fifty so, others. Yeah, cause, exactly. Because like when he goes up, whenever he because she runs after him, chases him into the to the <laughs> attic. Yeah. There's people. Bo- there's naked cult members behind him watching him. Yeah. Perfect. So good. Okay, <clears throat> and then the next thing is going to be the acting and casting and how perfect it is so everybody in this movie to me is perfect but there's two people that stand out the most and when i watched this movie i could not stop thinking about them two specifically and it's tony collette and alex wolf Uh so tony collette she's basically the entire like in the entire movie 
Um, but the two scenes that I really loved from hers was the group, the group scene where she's talking about her like um, history and nobody else is talking. It's just it focuses on her and then it pans in really slowly while she's talking. Mm-hmm. That monologue was perfectly delivered. So that was the first moment that I knew this was a special movie. The second one was the car scene. Mm. So this scene is probably is to me the most iconic scene I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? When after she gets her head cut off? The entire thing. Oh so, yeah, cuz like it that's when the thing this fucking movie just turns. Yeah. And it that that singular experience of watching that one sequence is probably my favorite experience I've ever had in the theater. I, I could see that because it was just truly shocking. Utter shock. I I had no idea what the fuck was gonna happen. Like whenever I knew it was something was gonna go wrong because they were speeding through and she was like hanging out the window, but I just could I don't think I thought at once that she would that her hair her head would fucking fall off i had no idea and when it happens like i think like you said earlier the reactions of like how they grieve is really realistic because once you think about it it is really fucked up that he just like kept driving and he went home and he went to bed but like what would you do exactly and specifically the moment that i knew this was a special movie. The group scene was a, a really great scene, but the the exact moment that I knew I loved this movie and that I would watch it and talk about it for forever was after it happened. And it's just on Alex Wolf and his like reaction, and he's trying to ask if she's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and he uh, looks up at the like, uh, what's it called? Rearview mirror. Rearview mirror. And he tries to look at her, and but he sees it, and it quickly goes back. Like that is such a perfect scene. Yeah, the the red lighting oh um, my from God. the brakes. How and- it just like it's just is his face is the frame for like such an uncomfortable amount of time. Mm-hmm. But I was so in it, man. I was like hooked into the movie at that point. Yeah, it's just adds so much to the the shock that he feels like, yeah because that like, just happened i mean he he reacted the same way i would and the same way i did in the theaters i think i gasped and then i was like <laughs> what yeah. is going on um okay and then the next scene which is another scene stealer for tony collette which is the dinner scene the i am your mother scene the classic i love it and i I think i well i love the acting especially but my favorite part of it is that there's this one i forget what it is but it's this one instagram that has the script and it shows the scene at the same time yeah and it's exactly how it's written yeah and like i'm sure that happens all the time but i was so like when i was watching it i was like she has to like have added something right but it's like it's scripted exactly how she says it she must have done that thousands of times but like her face whenever she's mad at him it's so funny oh the yelling like that scene is perfect that one is perfect and then the last one that alex wolf is in is the classroom scene where he like basically beats himself up 
man. That's such a, that's such a s- scary face that he makes. And I think he did it on purpose because he knows how to, I think he said he knows how to dislocate his jaw. And so he did it for the movie. And he said, one thing I learned was that he, he said that he wanted to do it. He told the director that he wanted to like slam his face on a real desk. Cause he was like, I can break my nose. It'll be fine. I've done it before. And so the director was like, I'm sure that's illegal. So no, you can't do that. But once he did it, they, they were like, we'll give you a soft desk. And they did, but it was foam on top of a really hard, like, um, base. Like, yeah, base. And he said that after he did it, he, he had like a bunch of blood because it was like fake blood, but he also had real blood from his face and from his knee because he hit the like table so hard, man. <laughs> whoa and he said they were like he he said he did it like once or twice and then after ari was like okay we got it and he was like okay um i'll be back <laughs> he was like <laughs> bruised up he like dislocated his jaw he was like beat the fuck up wow um but yeah and that in that one of those scene uh scenes in the classroom <laughs> they have a i really like how they have his the rearview mirror the same exact thing happens oh yeah yeah he, he's like it, it's like in the classroom. I don't know. That was really cool to see. There's also one transition that I think we talked about oh. a lot when we first watched this movie was whenever he was sitting in bed and then it like clicks over to him being in the classroom. They do um, that a lot where they change. He does that a lot day. in his movies, but yeah. yeah. That's perfect. So good. Um, okay. And so the next thing is I really loved Millie Shapiro in this, but I mostly want to talk about the strangeness of Charlie herself. And one thing mm-hmm. that I learned when I was researching this, and I don't know why I didn't know this before, but she's not, so she's weird and she's disconnected, but not because that's how she actually is. So she, I, I don't, I mean, I don't claim to know how demon, demonic possession works, but basically she's a vessel for Paimon. So she is Paimon. Like she, she's not, just a regular child that's why she like talks the way she does that's why she cuts the heads off of pigeons it's because she is a demon yeah i mean i knew that he was like in her but i didn't realize that that he basically took over entire character that's that's what they say at the end like yeah but i i thought that i don't know like i said i don't know how it works so i thought that she was still herself Mm. but that he was like I don't know. You know, I I don't know. But basically, that's why she was so weird. And that we never really get to meet Charlie. Yeah. Because, well, actually, we do. So if you think about the seance, Mm. if you go back to like the second seance and she's screaming through like her mom's voice, I always thought that was weird because that you can't picture the actual Charlie doing that. Like the way she was, even when she was like, at the even when she was um at the party and she had an allergic reaction, she never really screamed or she never like seemed in distress until she got in the car, right? And yeah. so whenever she possessed Annie and she was like screaming, it was such a it was a weird voice and it just sounded so different. And I was like, is that Charlie? Because it just was so like weird. And now that I'm thinking about it after though. I think that was the real Charlie. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, once you take soul. over a soul, it doesn't just, like, disappear. It has to go somewhere, right? 
So that's sad. That's why she's scared because she she doesn't know what's going on. I'm scared. That's scary. And sad. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I, I battled between talking about what I really think the movie's about because if you look in interviews, like it's so awkward to see interviews of people like talking about this movie with the director because he clearly doesn't want to tell you what it's about. He's just like, oh, it's a family drama and it's like, it's scary. Yeah. But, and people want to be like, oh, well, like, is it based on your family? (laughs) But he like never wants to say it, which I don't blame him. Cause when you make a movie this dark, it, I don't, I wouldn't want to say it either. And also like, are, are journalists just stupid enough not to know what he's trying to say? You know, like it's, it's clear as day to me. Yeah. What he's trying to tell us. And like, One of the themes, like, to me, I don't want to say it's obvious, but, like, it's because it's called hereditary, it's clearly about, not about, like, his family being possessed by demons. Like, he has, he probably has some sort of mental illness within his family that has, like, taken a huge toll on it. And so that's a scary part of, like, like, bringing back, like, to Horse Girl, how we were saying how she like the helplessness and how she is kind of destined to be a certain way this movie is also that right so like charlie and peter they're born into this world that they have no control over what happens to them they have no control over like like people with mental illness i don't know if this happens all the time but like you're predetermined to maybe not your entire life but you're predetermined to have a certain thing based off of your lineage and this is a really like dramatic way of telling that but yeah and that's the scariest thing about this movie is charlie had no control peter had no control even annie annie passed it to them and she was the parent and so was uh what was his name what was the dad's name therapist dude (laughs) well even the mom and the dad oh steven 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 they had no control over what was gonna happen to them so like scary yeah and the only way to have control is to end it and that's why she wanted to end her 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 marriage her pregnancy you know like that sounds like such a dark way to do it but that's how she felt is that the only way she could save her kids from their like fate was to kill them which i mean (laughs) not the best way to do it but like she that's what she thought um and we kind of talk about this a little bit later but like I'll bring it up again, but um, so one thing that I do love about this movie too is the marketing of it. I think, mm-hmm. and specifically the trailer. If you watch the trailer now, which I haven't seen in a while, but if you watch it, I do remember Charlie being such a huge part of the trailer, and also like any of the marketing images. If you look at the poster, she's like the center of it. She's the focal point of it. But then she dies. I think I. I don't know the exact time, but it was like 40 minutes into the movie and it's a two hour movie and she dies. That is such a like brilliant way to mislead people Mm -hmm. (laughs) into thinking that she's going to be such a huge part of the movie. And as soon as she dies, you're like, well, what the fuck is going to happen now? (laughs) I thought we were following her. Now she's fucking dead. Okay. And so, um, all right so the next thing i want to talk about is joan Mm. i love joan (laughs) i love the way she talks 
She's very like, she's such a cult member. <laughs> she is. She's like the perfect cult member. I think I've seen her in another show where she's a cult member. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I think so. The thing about Joan was that if you if you if you watch the movie again, the whole point of her meeting Joan was to get to the seance, right? Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do it even before they put Joan in the picture, there's a frame where they put the seance pamphlet in their like mailbox yeah. or in their mail slot. That was like way before she ever meets Joan. And then all of a sudden this lady runs up to her car and she wants to like talk to her. And then she wants to be her friend and she becomes friendly with her. And then all of a sudden she's been to a seance and she can talk to her dead grandson. So like such a, <laughs> how did she such not a, know? Exactly. And I was reading a theory about the seance that I didn't know, but it makes a lot of sense that it was basically a tool to kick everything off because it was a a really clever way for them to trick Annie into thinking that she's saving her family, but all she's doing is kickstarting everything to like doom them basically. Yeah. I mean, at that point, um, because in the in the book that Annie reads, she sees that Payman needs someone who's just truly broken. Yeah, who's who's so um, who's broken to the point where he he can accept that that vessel, and and that's 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 really what started it because he <laughs> he was experiencing things that Charlie had felt like he whenever he was getting high under those bleachers he felt. Like his throat was, like he was feeling anxious. He felt like his throat was closing, just like how Charlie felt. I mean, beautiful. He broke that entire family down. Yeah. And too, like if you talk about the logistics of a seance, the one thing that people tell you the reason you shouldn't ever touch a Ouija board is because it invites things into your home. So I feel like because the grandmother had control of Charlie, she she already, that vessel was already hers to use. She could do whatever she wanted. But the rest of the family was a different story. And so the fact that Annie, that's another like really sad part of this movie when I, when I watched it this time, was that she's so dead set on her doing the seance as a part, as a way to like fix everything, right? She tells Peter like, don't tell your dad he won't understand but i have a way to fix this and she and so that's that's so sad that she thinks she like i said she thinks she's saving them but she's like inviting something terrible into her house and she realizes she realizes it too which is really sad she realizes at the very end she she sees her dead mother in her fucking attic and she knows that something wrong happened and that's another like sad layer on top of it is first she thinks she's saving them and then she's like oh fuck now something bad's happening but she thinks it's her fault yeah oh so sad when it's not her like it was passed down from her mother it wasn't her fault at all and uh in one of the scenes where where peter's in school in his is like it his it was the first scene where he's in class and he's like staring at the girl and he gets that text where they're talking about some play or some some story where the main character goes through this tragic 
thing and he 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 dies and or something like that and how the girl in front of him is like well it was so obvious it's like pain it's painstakingly obvious that this is going to happen to him because of all these things and it's just exactly what what the family went through it's like it's so obvious to us now because we know the entire story well that they also could have avoided everything if they didn't do that seance fanny didn't listen to Joni, you know well that's perfect transition into my one of my last notes is that there's literally writings on the wall so yeah. one of the things one of the things that hints at what's going to happen there's so many things as like from the first shot of the movie which is the tree house which is where everything ends and the last thing is the things that are written on charlie's wall and so there's three things that we see in different parts of the movie the first one i think is a movie is a, a movie is a word called satany yeah and i don't know what it means all i could see is that it's a word used in necromancy so it's not a great word no but um the next word is zazas which is a demon yeah um and the last how one, i know that <laughs> the last one is is i can't i don't know how to say it so liftach pandemonium so obviously we know what pandemonium means but liftach is hebrew which i'm saying it's so wrong so i'm so sorry but it's hebrew for open so open chaos and that word I don't, the other ones, I don't remember exactly when we see them, but that one is after the seance. Oh. The, the Satan. So that's when everything opens. Satan is, is very first. Yeah, is the first one whenever she's talking to Charlie about her, her grandma. You, she's yeah. like staring and she's like, interesting. And then, and she, then writes she writes it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Which, one of the. How, would, how could you see that? How could you see that and like not have any questions? Not look it up. Not... <laughs> Why is Satan written in my children? She has, she's got child's... a weird ass kid. I don't know. She has pigeons on fucking dolls. I don't know. Okay. Um, and so my last note is just, I I don't know if you can tell from all my ramblings about this movie, but I fucking love this movie. Honestly, I think it's one of my favorite movies ever. I can yeah, see. it's getting up there. Yeah, it is. Because it is perfectly, like, if I was, to, oh, God, maybe I shouldn't say this. If I was to tell somebody to watch a movie to understand, like, my tastes, mm-hmm. it would be this movie. Because, and I was going to write down all the funny parts, but I was like, well, I don't know. I feel like they're funny to me, and I don't want to be, like, to, I don't know. There there was one part specifically where I was like, I don't know how you see this movie and not laugh. But whenever Annie's telling him about like her mom being in the attic and he's like she's like and there's other stuff too and he was like other than your your dead mother's body (laughs) or your dead mother's headless body yeah but there's such little stuff like it's it's funny it's really fucking scary but it's also like such a well-crafted story and everything is so purposeful like there's no i feel like sometimes in movies where i'm like why was this scene here like there's no sense of that at all every single scene and every single part of this movie from like the miniatures the way that she like each one that we're that we see the writings on the wall the drawings every single thing has a purpose in this movie and it's such a testament to the writing and directing and just like the entire film as a whole and it's so well contained it's just like i think it's the perfect movie there's nothing i would change about it and it's just 
fucking amazing. And it's his first. Well, yeah. And so it's the first that he made. It wasn't the first that he wanted to make. Apparently, he was supposed to make... He wanted to make Midsummer first. But the way that scheduling happened, he wanted... Or he ended up making... And also, he doesn't... um, He didn't... When he first sought out to make this movie, he didn't really want it to be a horror film. He sought out to make it a family drama. But then he started to see where, like, horror aspects could go into it. Yeah. But he said, too, that him and the the crew and the cast mostly see it as a family drama. Which I can, like... I see that. Because if you think about it, I mean, it is... It is just about, like, it is a family drama. It just is kind of scary. Just a little. <clears throat> okay. Um, so do you want to say your final thoughts before we go into what Joe thought? I absolutely love this movie. It's a movie that I think about a lot. And a movie that uh, still is scary. No matter yeah. how many times I watch it, it still it still creeps me out. I will say when and she ran it, out of that corner, I jumped. <laughs> yeah, the my I think the funniest part for for me is whenever Peter wakes up and it's like right <laughs> before that, and she like runs on the wall. Yeah. I don't know. He that, moves that. and she's like. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Um, yeah, that's really pretty much it. Uh, I, I think it's one of the greats. It is so good. But, as soon as I saw it, I knew I was like, I told Sebastian, this is this is such a special movie and this is such a special filmmaker. Yeah. I'm going to see everything that he makes. <laughs> For sure. I mean, we went to that, that uh, Q&A and mm-hmm. even those questions that we, those questions were dumb, but the movie is. They are. <laughs> yeah. But now let's cut to Joe. Um, we we asked him what he felt about it, and here's what he has to say. And we're back with Joe. So tell us, hereditary thoughts. Um, I think it's a good film. I mean, I don't think I've watched it uh, when it first came out in theaters. I think it already did its whole theatrical run before I watched it because, I mean, the, the trailer really put me off. Mm. It was something I was like, Maybe I want to watch this in the piece of my own home than rather in a theater. So it maybe was in the theater for like two months and then it came out on Prime like right after that. And that's when I watched it. I think I watched it with uh, Jewel and all them. I think we watched it when we spent the night at her house for the first time. So, yeah. Are you not typically like a fan of scary movies? Oh, no, I love them. But I, I really think like the trailer just put me off and, you know, other podcasts that I listen to. Uh, when this movie was coming out, they were talking about this movie, and uh, it did get a lot of hype, definitely saying, like, oh, you know, this is uh, the scariest thing since uh, The Exorcist and stuff like that. And I was just like, all right, all right. But the trailer, I mean, it really put me off. And when I watched it, I was like, not what I was expecting, but pretty pretty good movie. Yeah. Pretty good scary movie, yeah. So when you finally watched it, what was your um, reaction to it? Um... I, I mean, the movie is very unpredictable, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very different from your classic uh, horror movies like uh, Freddy or Jason because uh, it's very psychological. And it definitely takes more than one viewing to get used to it and to uh, understand and see like the bigger picture around 
things. Mm-hmm. Took me, I think, like at least three tries to really understand what was going on. I mean, that was the same thing whenever I watched uh, Midsummer too. I mean, I watched that I think four times in the theater just to like wrap my whole mind around what was happening in that movie too. Yeah. So, so you saw Midsummer in theaters though? Yes, because after watching Hereditary, I was like, okay, I can't wait this long. Mm. An Ari Aster movie. I'll go watch this midnight release and absolutely loved it. That's interesting. No, that's one thing that I, um, it was really interesting doing research about this movie, about the trailer. And I didn't remember, I know I had seen the trailer, I think only once. And then usually after trailers, I'll either watch them or now I don't really watch them anymore. I'll do like my own research. Um, So that's, it was interesting to see that, like, people's reaction to it, where this isn't the first time I've seen that or, like, heard that, that people just didn't really like the trailer or they thought it was kind of, like, too much, like, uh, what's that one? The Omen, like, where there's a creepy kid and they're, like, oh, they don't understand. I don't understand what's going on or what is uh... happening with this. You know what I mean? Like, people just don't really... Um... Uh, trailers are, are a really interesting thing in cinema right now because I feel like a lot of people either don't want to watch them or when they do, they take it as like, that's exactly what the movie's going to be. And this was a, ve- a really good lesson in um, the marketing versus the actual like movie itself and how uh, they work together, but how they're like so distinctly different. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to hear that perspective. I really try to not watch trailers anyway. I mean, I try to yeah. stay away because I, I really think that they, they give away the biggest things. Um, so even when I'm in the theater, like I have my phone during the trip with my AirPods in, just not paying attention. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like okay, I, I know what movies are going to be coming out soon. And I'd rather not be given anything about it. If I want to go look it up, then I'll go look it up. A24, though, I'll, I'll give them credit. They're really good at um, kind of bearing the lead with that because i feel like we'll talk about it i I think i've already talked about it because this is in my notes um but the way that this trailer it kind of like misled you and if it because charlie is such a big part of the trailer it's really shocking when she's suddenly not in the movie for like half of it (laughs) and the the grandmother is is also a big part of of the trailer and she's literally dead in the first like two minutes very misleading i I really loved that though because once you get to that point you'd have no idea what the fuck is going to go on because you're like well the kid's gone so like what is happening but i really love that movie yeah and like that's what a scary movie or any movie should do is it should surprise you and it should like you shouldn't know what's gonna happen and in a lot of scary movies specifically you you already know what's going to happen and how the arc is going to like go but this one was very different where it um it like on purpose it felt like misled you and made you think it was gonna go a certain way when it totally like pulled the rug out from beneath you and that's like my biggest fear is not knowing what's going to happen so it really played on that (laughs) yeah do you have any like final thoughts about it like if you liked it if you didn't or if you just um what what you left with the the movie with i i really liked the movie i mean i feel like i'm very divided in uh saying that i definitely liked midsummer better um I don't know if it's just because my viewing experience or because I just like, 
I got the deeper message in Midsummer better than Hereditary, but uh, like I was actually talking to someone on Twitter about it today when they were like, "Oh, uh, what's the main actress's name? Uh, Tony Collette." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she, I mean, she's absolutely great in that movie. And then in my mind, I'm just like, I just thought Florence Pugh was just absolutely amazing in Midsummer and just gave this jaw-dropping like performance with this mind-bending mushroom tea <laughs> experience. <laughs> yeah, I completely get that. Well, are there any <laughs> any plugs before anything you want to say? Last words? Uh, if anybody has a letterbox, you can follow me on there. Uh, let me get the name real quick. Uh, Spill the Beans 50. That's a perfect name. <laughs> Spill the Beans 50. I gotta... Yeah, that's perfect. All right. Well, thank you well, for thank being you on. Thank you for joining. Thank yeah. you very much for letting me on. Loved it. Of course. And we're back. <laughs> Finally. Um, All right. Thank this you again, fun. Joe, for oh. for your thoughts. Now you can go. <laughs> now to some fun facts and probably me rambling even more. All right. So um, Ari Aster wanted to go for scares that were emotionally justified rather than solely leaning on traditional jump scares. Hell yeah. I loved that fun fact because it's very true. Was that on the, the Prime thing? How they give like little notes? Because I remember seeing that. No, that was on IMDb, but they probably take it from IMDb. Yeah. But it is true. I mean, I, I have... I always rant about jump scares and I always rant about horror films in general. And I feel like that's why I love this movie so much is because it honors what is so good about horror films, like how they make you feel and how they just how they like play in a theater. It honors all of those, but it also makes stuff better. It makes those like tropes better in so many different ways because he doesn't, I mean, he has jump, like, jump scares. But like you said, they're, or like IMDb said, they're all justified. They're not just like somebody walking into a room slowly and then somebody jumping out of a closet. You know, like it's not just put there for the sake of put, like being put there. Um. Okay. Oh, <laughs> this is my favorite one. So Ari Aster requested that Alex Wolf and Millie Shapiro, which play the siblings, go out to eat in character a few times while they were in Utah. Um, They would sit for up to three hours in silence while Millie wouldn't speak and Alex would try to get her to talk. (laughs) And so (laughs) he, I saw this in interviews too, where he would have them, like he would give them tasks. So one of them was he would tell them to go to like, I think it was Burger King and he would have to get food for them. But like, but in character and how Charlie was, she like never said anything and she always acted like she just did not want to be there. Um, and so she did that same thing where he would try to like ask her, do you want a burger? Like while they're ordering <laughs> in front of people and she wouldn't say anything. Um, and I think he also gave them a task where they had to go buy a sweatshirt or something. And she did the same thing where she wouldn't say anything. Mm. Um, and that sounds silly, but um, when the actors talk about it in interviews, they said that it gave them a really good backstory because if you think about like sibling dynamics, especially with that kind of dynamic, 
um, it gives you that annoyance where he's already every time he goes into a scene, he's like, okay, well, she's not gonna fucking say anything, you know? Like they give that um feel of them already being familiar with each other and them having that dynamic already established. Um, and one interesting thing too that Alex Wolf said was because of that, on top of him already having worked with um the guy that played the dad, he'd already worked with him before, and so he's super familiar with him. But the three of them didn't know Tony Collette. And mm. they met, like, I think they met only a few days before they started filming. So it really added to that aspect of her being kind of an outsider in their dynamic. Yeah. And you do see that a lot, especially after Charlie dies, where Peter and the dad are very, um, like, close. And the mom yeah. is, like, not having it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we kind of did that for this podcast. Because we play uh, siblings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had to go buy a sweatshirt. Um, Anthony cried the whole time. <laughs> I cried and made a... Uh, I peed my pants every single time. <laughs> I had to make a scene. He screamed a lot. Um, yeah. We had to talk into mics the whole time, too. <laughs> Even when they were not plugged in. You had to go through your numbers. <laughs> You would, you would write down numbers. I would have to read them out loud. <laughs> and every time I got one wrong, you had to hit me. <laughs> All right. Um, so the composer, which was Colin Stetson, he found inspiration for the score through the sounds of, quote, water and animals while walking around in pitch black night. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, God, I love that fun fact, too. Um, Oh, and I think I said this one already, but many of the cast and crew view the film as a family drama more than a horror movie. Yeah. I think I think helped them out a lot because, like I said before, like I I don't really like watching horror films now because a lot of them that come out are like those really predictable tropey kind of like horror films but i think them framing it in their mind as a family drama rather than a horror really helped them not fall into that trap of like doing the like really predictable things that a horror film would do yeah um oh and this goes into um one interview that i watched tony collette called ariaster the most one of the most prepared directors that she's ever worked with um and one of the reasons why is probably because he designed a 75 page shot list for the cinematography before they even had location scouted that's awesome he knew exactly what the fuck he wanted to do another thing is that he wrote biographies for each character like really detailed ones even before starting the screenplay that's awesome which man i could never (laughs) um Okay, my last one is about Alex Wolf. So he decided to go method for this film instead of being... Um, oh, oh, so he decided to go method. So he insisted on being referred to as Peter during the production. Um, and after they filmed their very last scene, he symbolically introduced himself to the crew as Alex. <laughs> what the... Which I love, but also like... That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, nice to meet you. My name is Alex. Peter is now dead. <laughs> what? Imagine him like, just like, um, like symbolically asking, like he's taking off a mask, like <laughs> reaching right here. Yeah, 
taking well, off his like costume. No, 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 no. What if instead of introducing himself uh, as Peter, he introduced himself as Payman? <laughs> <laughs> and every time somebody greets him, they're like, "Hail Payman, Hail Payman." <laughs> but yeah, that was my last fun fact about such a perfect movie. I disagree with every single score that I read out loud in the beginning. They're all ve- very, very, very low to me. I think I would give this one 100%. <laughs> Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I- I'd say it's it's up there. It's definitely up there. Definitely not 80, whatever. 87, 7.3 out of 10 is, is disrespectful. Disgusting. It is disgusting. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully I did a good job of like explaining the movie. Hopefully not nobody's confused about what happened. I I don't know. It was kind of a weird like I didn't want to be like those videos that are like ending explained because it kind of I like the interpretation of it. Um however you think it's about if you think it's about a family struggling with mental illness, if you think it's about actual demons, like whatever you want, it's kind of up to you. It's yeah. not really up to it's up to the director to make it, but it's not really up to him to tell us what we feel about it and how we think it applies to our own lives. So, For yeah. Sure. And also like not judging people that watch those ending explain ones, you do you. If you don't, I I that's my favorite part of a movie. I think a lot of people don't I always have to like defend movies where people are like, "Yeah, but I had to look up how what it meant." And I'm like, "Yeah, but that's not like a bad thing." Because if you think about it, a movie is a piece of art and you want to be able to interact with it right you want to be able to like have these discussions with people as to what they thought or look it up and continue that discussion even if you're looking at an interview with the people in it or the people that made it it's still it's a one-sided like conversation but it's still a conversation um about the movie so it doesn't really mean it's a bad movie or you had a bad experience if you have to look it up or that you're dumb if you have to look up what happened because nobody's going to ex- like expect for you to know who Paymon is. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're in a cult. Which shout it out. <laughs> then then I would expect nothing less. Well, that was hereditary. Go to a gathering? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have one of those necklaces. Me. Oh, I want one of those mats that she made for people uh. <laughs> with their names on them. Dude, I want one so bad. I'm going to tell mom. That'd be really funny. The symbol, too? Yeah. Do it up. I want one. All right. I always forget at the beginning of episodes to say that we pick movies. Oh, yeah. Because people who don't listen are just like, right. But... Now's you want me time. to explain it what we do? Sure. I mean, okay. at this point, yeah. Okay, so we don't just randomly talk about movies. We pick them each week. We kind of have like, I call it a movie club where um, throughout the episode, <clears throat> we'll talk about a specific movie. And then at the end of it, if you get all the way to the end, we'll tell you what movie we're going to be talking about next episode. So you have to listen to the entire thing. You can't skip. We... And, we don't enable the skip. No, I'm kidding. What if you could do that? What if you could like disable the skip function on Spotify? You could, you have to listen to all of it. That'd yeah. be so annoying. Or like you have so to cool. listen chronologically. Ooh. 
I wouldn't want that though. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. Well, anyways. Yeah. So this is the part where Anthony tells us last we we switch um picks too. So like I picked this one, obviously, since I talked probably fifty of the minutes that we have in this episode. Um, and then Anthony's gonna pick the next one. So yeah. what are we watching? I'm so excited. Because, okay. like I said, I've been doing Netflix party with my friends, and they don't want to watch it. So I'm just going to... Uh... Well, <laughs> I like to use this podcast as, an, as one, to, an excuse to watch a new movie, or an excuse to watch an old movie that I've really been wanting to watch. So this is that case where I've been wanting to watch this movie for a while. Um, I'm scared. All right, so it's on Hulu, and we're going to watch... Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man. <laughs> At a time where everything is uncertain, we need Tobey Maguire. We need... So here's the real reason. I love Spider-Man. I mean, I've picked a Spider-Man movie before. I've picked a new one. Oh, so yeah. I've picked an old one. Uh, Spider-Man, to me, is, is a very... He's a very dear character to me because he's, he's my favorite superhero. I relate to him the most. As a kid, I mean... Who didn't? Um, Awkward, scrawny, weak, um, smart. Going <laughs> oh. smart. At the end of uh, the next podcast, you won't need your glasses anymore. Yeah, I'll be buff. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, he's a very, very near and dear character to me, and I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and it's a, it's about time that I watch it. It'll be very nostalgic next episode, and I feel like we need that now. There's one scene that, <laughs> that I, every time somebody talks about Spider-Man, there's one scene that is burned into my memory. <laughs> it's the one where there is, I think it's the second one, or the first one, where the Green Goblin comes to their house, and Aunt May's there, and she's like, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good. I'm gonna use that as the um, you know, how I make a graphic for oh. each. <laughs> I'm gonna use that one. Speaking of our social media, I-, I feel like we need to be more active. We've been slacking. We, yeah, you're right. I've... We have, especially on our Twitter. I've been trying to on my personal. I've been tweeting a little bit more. I definitely could have saved that Rick uh, Dalton tweet for oh. Brother Sister Show. I don't know if you saw it. No. The, oh the, yeah, yeah, I did. Pointing at himself. <laughs> yeah, I could have saved that for ours, but I, I'm I'm gonna try to start tweeting a little bit more. Well, uh, you're the tweeter. I'm not really good at Twitter. <laughs> you're the tweeter. tweeter. Well, if you want to follow us on Instagram, um, and subsequently our Twitter, our Instagram is brother sister show, and if you go to our bio, that's pretty much everything. Links to everything. Yeah. Well, uh, what it, what do you, you want to do? I don't know. Just just tweets about movies. I don't, I don't know. I, I I feel like the Rick Dalton Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at himself is like a perfect tweet for a brother sister show. But I just I did, I was too eager with it. You know, I was like, this is like, I came up with it, and I I was had to make it. But I don't know. We'll see. Let us know yeah. what you guys want. If you follow us, what do you want? Let us know. I made a poll the other day. <laughs> no, what? a quiz. It wasn't a poll. Which one? The sleepover one. Oh. Uh, that nobody answered. 
but it's okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask more questions. I don't know. I, I'm I, that's what I've been like struggling to figure out is what to post. But yeah, that's my day job though, so I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for episode twenty-two. Thank you again, Joe, for joining us. Oh, and fun. if you want to be on a next episode or one of our next episodes, you can also DM us. Yes, DM us at Brother Sister Show on our Instagram. Um, and if there's a movie that you want us to talk about, uh, we still accept those. I know it's been a while since we picked one, but it's been crazy. We'll pick, I'll pick a movie that you guys want. I'll I'll throw a question up maybe tomorrow. Get some people to submit stuff. It's just hard because like I try to do it. I've been trying to do it like once a month maybe because it like the streaming availability is so like varied. And mm-hmm. stuff is taken off all the time. and Yeah. But we'll see. We'll be more active. We promise. Yeah. Yes. And if you got to this part of the podcast, this is going on to almost two hours, I think. This might be is our really? first. Yeah, because this, this recording itself is an hour 30 and our, our talk with off. Joe. You can cut a lot of this out. Nah, I think it's fine. Our, our talk with Joe is about 20 minutes, so it's getting there. All right. Two hours. I don't think we'll hit it, but eventually. Let's just, we... let's just keep stalling. I'm <laughs> <laughs> we'll just repeat our Instagram at 50 times until we get there. No. No. We won't do that. But All thank right, you again for this. listening. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you guys next week at the same time. Bye. Bye.